0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to See You All. Um, as you know, Sunday evenings, we try to do different things. Uh, some Sunday evenings we'll be doing teaching through uh, Book of the Bible. Uh, other times we'll be doing some more topical stuff. And uh, this evening we're going to be doing a topical thing. Uh, it's the first in a series of three on the whole issue of sexuality. And uh, this evening we're starting with uh, finding freedom in Christ in a world obsessed with sexual image. So we're looking forward to to Mark speaking on this subject. The idea is to be able to speak um, very openly and honestly about these these issues that in a church that should be a setting where we are able to do that and without fear of uh, of judgment or anything else. It's a very accepting environment and that's the environment we want to to encourage. There will be therefore a chance after um, Mark has uh, uh, spoken to have questions and there'll be a panel of three, David Copping and Lisa Turner are going to join Mark uh, in the panel And uh, be your opportunity to ask anything you want on what Mark said or anything else to do with that particular subject. Um, If it's uh, related to something to do with more of the issues we're going to be doing over the next two weeks, then you might want to hold that back this time. But anything sort of broadly related to what is being talked about this evening, feel free to ask. um, If you feel a bit embarrassed, um, if you want to write it down and pass it to me, that's fine. And we can do it that way. Should we pray together? Lord, that is our
1: prayer, that we would experience your power working in us. We pray that tonight you would help us with this really difficult subject that's very personal, that can be very painful. And if it's not for us, I pray that you would help us to listen carefully and to teach each of us tonight that we might be a better friend to those who find some of these issues difficult. Lord, we want to experience the power of the gospel at work in us. And so we pray that by your spirit, you would... Guide us into all truth tonight. And We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat. Uh, great to see everyone tonight. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about this little series, um, simply because I'm aware that in some ways, trying to kind of tackle such big issues that can run so deep for many of us, it kind of opens up more questions that perhaps it answers, and I'm not trying to pretend that in three little talks we can tackle these big issues and kind of solve any problems we have, but I hope and pray um, that as we begin to look at some of these difficult issues, um, we will allow God's word and God's gospel and God's spirit to shape and mould the way that we think and to begin to help us to address some of these issues, and then just to allow this to sort of sink in over time and to allow the gospel to take root in our lives, so that's a little caveat as we begin. Um, But as Neil said, we're doing this little series, Freedom in Christ, and tonight I want to help us to think about what it looks like to know the freedom in Christ in a world obsessed with sexual image. Uh, By sexual image, I don't necessarily just mean kind of images of scantily clad women or men on a screen, not that kind of sexual image. What I mean is, you and I are made as sexual beings, we're made man and woman, and God has created us like that, and our sexuality is a gift from him, and the differences between man and woman are a gift from him. Um, But sexuality is broken just like everything else in our world is broken. And so we need the gospel to speak truth back into our lives, into all of that brokenness and mess to help us. Um, So to begin with, I want to show us a little video. Um, This little series, I'm going to use quite a lot of sort of video and pop culture stuff because I want us to engage with the issues that hit us in the face all the time. So it's not kind of a sermon with a kind of passage we're going to follow through. There are going to be loads of scriptures that kind of feed in, but it's going to be slightly different. But I want us to see a little video. It's one of these TED Talks, you might have come across them, inspirational talks. And this person here is an American model called Cameron Russell, and she is talking about her perception of beauty. So just take a look at this.
2: My name is Cameron Russell, um, and for the last uh, little while I've been a model, um, actually for ten years. (laughs) Um, And I feel like there's an uncomfortable tension in the room right now because I should not have worn this dress, (laughs) so luckily I brought an outfit change. Um, This is the first outfit change on the TED stage, so you guys are pretty lucky to witness it, I think. Um, If some of the women were really horrified when I came out, you don't have to tell me now, but I'll find out later on Twitter. (laughs) Um, I'd also note that I'm quite privileged to be able to transform what you think of me um, in a very brief 10 seconds. Not everybody gets to do that. These heels are very uncomfortable, so good thing I wasn't going to wear them. The worst part is putting this sweater over my head because that's when you'll laugh at me, so don't do anything while it's over my head. All right. So why did I do that? That was awkward. Um, well, <laughs> um, hopefully not as awkward as that picture. Uh, <laughs> image is powerful. Um, But also, image is superficial. I just totally transformed what you thought of me in six seconds. And in in this picture, I had actually never had a boyfriend in real life. Um, I was totally uncomfortable, and the photographer was telling me to arch my back and put my hand in that guy's hair. Um, And of course, barring surgery... Um, or the fake tan that I got two days ago for work. Um, There's very little that we can do to transform how we look. And how we look, though it is superficial and immutable, has a huge impact on our lives. Um, So today, for me, being fearless means being honest. The next question people always ask me is, do they retouch all the photos? And yeah, they pretty much retouch all the photos, but that is only a small component of what's happening. This picture is the very first picture that I ever took. And it's also the very first time that I had worn a bikini, and I didn't even have my period yet. I know we're getting personal, but uh, you know, I was a young girl. This is what I looked like with my grandma just um, a few months earlier. Here's me on the same day as this shoot. My friend got to come with me. Here's me at a slumber party a few days before I shot French Vogue. Um, here's me on the soccer team and in V Magazine. And here's me today. And I hope what you're seeing is that these pictures are not pictures of me, they are constructions. And they are constructions by professionals, by hairstylists and makeup artists and photographers and stylists and all of their assistants and pre-production and post-production. And they build this, that's not me. So the last question people ask me is, you know, what is it like to be a model? And I think the answer that they're looking for is, if you are a little bit skinnier and you have shinier hair, you will be so happy and fabulous. And when we're backstage, we give an answer that maybe makes it seem like that. We say, it's really amazing to travel, and it's amazing to get to work with creative, inspired, passionate people. And those things are true, but they're only one half of the story because the thing that we never say on camera, that I have never said on camera, is I am insecure. And I'm insecure because I have to think about what I look like every day. Um, And if you ever are wondering, you know if I have thinner thighs and shinier hair will I be happier um, you just need to meet a group of models because they have the thinnest thighs and the shiniest hair and the coolest clothes and they're the most physically insecure women probably on the just thought that was
1: quite interesting as far as I'm um, that model she's not a Christian believer but that's to her insights living in a world of beauty and she sees that it's powerful but superficial um, The problem I guess that many of us face in our world is we're living in a broken world and as I've reflected this week on some of these issues, one of the things that I've been really struck with is that so often our brokenness is actually revealed in the struggles we have with ourselves. Uh, You'll know many people, perhaps you experience this, and it can be really a deep rooted issue or you'll know someone who struggles with this, but many people struggle with deep anxiety, um, with depression, all related to the way that they look or their perception of what people think of them. Uh, You push that to an extreme when it gets quite serious and many people suffer from um, bulimia and anorexia, sometimes even suicide, simply because of body image. So it's a hugely powerful thing uh, and something we don't want to take lightly. Uh, It's not helped by images like this. You know, There's uh, George Clooney, we all know, but we don't see the pictures on the left. There's not a huge difference, but there's little subtle differences, aren't there? This is an airbrushed picture of George Clooney. He doesn't actually look like that on the right. But if you notice, the furrowed brow is gone the hair's got a bit darker, uh, the little lines by his cheeks, they've miraculously disappeared and the earlobe on his left ear is just a bit smaller, because in real life it's a bit big apparently. This is what technology can do, but it's amazing because we see these kind of images of these superstars and we think, that is what I need to be, that's what I need to look like, and yet, as the model said, these are constructions. Uh, just check out this other little video, it's very short, uh, it's a popular advert uh, for Dove, you might have seen it on the TV not long ago. are the sort of things that our culture bombards us with all the time. That wasn't a, a, a lady having a bit of makeup done to accentuate her natural beauty. That was people completely transforming the way that she looked. And there she is on the billboard, but it's not her. And as the model said in that first interview, it's not her either. It's a construction of her. But what do some of these issues and insecurities lead to? Well, here are three things. The first is insecurity. Uh, we've said already that image is powerful. And sometimes we can use The way that we then dress, the way that we cover up the real us, because we're deeply insecure and we know that the way that we dress, the image that we want to portray to others is hugely powerful. But we also know that image is very superficial. Uh, As, interestingly, the model said on the video, didn't she? Models have the thinnest thinnest hair, the shiniest legs, and yet they're amongst the most... What did I say? (laughs) I think I might have got that the wrong way around. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Anyway, whatever models have, they are some of the most insecure people on the planet. Uh, But you know, it's not just uh, an issue that affects women. Let me uh, let you into my heart a little bit. Uh, When I was at school, um, I was a typical kind of teenager. Um, All I wanted to do, particularly when I was sort of 16, 17, 18, is be in the first fifteen rugby team. That's all that mattered to me. But I'll tell you why it mattered to me. It mattered to me because I wanted people to think I was impressive. I was fit, I was strong, I was able but I wasn't able just to be those things I needed people to know that I was those things it sounds really silly but that's where I was at this this is completely stupid, I'm being really honest with you when I was that age, I used to walk around the school whenever I saw someone, I remember consciously almost trying to stand up a bit taller because I'm not very big, and puff up my chest a bit it's ridiculous but as a macho teenager, I was desperate that people thought that I was this big, big muscular rugby player, and that really mattered to me Hugely insecure. I didn't need to show people that I was fit, strong, and able. I could just be those things if I was, and if I wasn't, it wouldn't have mattered. But I was hugely insecure in a completely different way that perhaps a woman might be. But insecurity runs very, very deep in us all, doesn't it? Second problem is that we, and we've seen on these videos, our culture creates a kind of unrealistic expectation for beauty. And when you see these images on the billboards, in the magazines, of course you're going to look in the mirror in the morning and go, I'm ugly. Because the things that you see and set as your standard aren't actual people. They are constructions. We're going to talk about that even more next week when we address the issue of pornography. And the third thing is that often, and we see this in the world, there's often a great ungodliness in the way that we use beauty. Not seeking to reflect the true beauty of God, which is where we're going to get to, but almost sort of flaunting our own body image. Now that can be people who wear very tightly fitted clothing almost to reveal their own body because they're sort of trying to show themselves to others. But equally it can be people who are seeking to cover up the real them because they couldn't possibly be seen to look like they really look because there's a deep-rooted insecurity. But the big question that we've all got to ask, particularly if you're a Christian, is do these issues that we struggle with, do they honour God And is this understanding of beauty that we're bombarded with all the time in our culture, is that a true reflection of what is truly beautiful? And that's a challenge for us all. Last little video. um, I've shown you this a few months ago when we did a little talk on um, worried what people think. This is a Christian guy called um, uh, Nick Vujicic. He was born without any arms and any legs. It's an extraordinary story, but he speaks about... God affirming what we really like. I just want to show us this again because I think it's really poignant and will help us. So just the last little clip I want to show you.
3: Who validates you? Who gives you a sense of belonging, purpose and meaning? I can't imagine of another generation that's been lied to more than ours.
0: Your
3: All these bombardment of advertising and messaging and everything we see on TV, magazines, what is beautiful, what is happiness, what is good enough. One day during a speaking tour, I was speaking in front of 300 executive businessmen and bankers in Singapore, 2008. And I'll never forget how shocked I was seeing this businessman coming up to me and said, Nick, because of the world economic crash. My banks have lost money, but I don't care about money anymore. I need your help. And I said, what's wrong? He said, it's my daughter. She's 14 years old, and she looks at herself in the mirror, and she can't see anything but ugly. Help me. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to pray exactly at that moment. I could see that love that this father had for this child, but it wasn't enough and it never will be enough because her perception became her obsession and that brought her to a spiral of depression. stills in us what we lack. Our identity is defined by Him. In First John chapter 4 verse 18, it says, "There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Finally, these teens and pre teens don't have to be scared anymore about what they think they need to look like or what others think of them. because finally, there is truth of a perfect love that has no bounds. Take it from a guy without arms and legs. Life can be cruel. People can be thoughtless or just plain mean. So I've learned to keep returning to the validation of the only one who is qualified to give. Friends, you are a child of God.
1: Every one of us wants to be wanted, don't we? We want to be cherished, we want to feel special, we want to feel loved. And that's a normal human emotion. And often, if we don't feel loved and cherished, it's because we're looking for that in the wrong place. And wherever we look, perhaps it gives it to a point, but can't give it to the extent that we really want. But the amazing truth is that we are loved, we are cherished, and we're loved and cherished perfectly by a perfect God. Perhaps you'll know these verses. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The staggering truth in God's word is that God affirms to us that if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus, you belong to him. And part of what that means is as if he's putting his arms around you and saying, I treasure you. You are my creation. Every single one of you, you're special to me. I made you. We had that in the the verses that Neil preached on this morning, where God says, I am the potter, you are the clay. You were made by my hands. It's a staggering truth. And when we understand that our identity is given to us by God, that we belong to him, that he loves us, suddenly that provides us with a safety that becomes a kind of foundation on which we then build our identity. This is really where the power of the gospel kicks in. It's not just this system by which I'm saved, but it's power for transformation. So if we are struggling with some of these things, we need to allow the gospel to sink so deep into our heart that God, the power of God by his spirit can begin to transform us on the inside so that we begin to see ourselves as God sees us. Interestingly, in that video, Nick Spoker said, her perception became her obsession the way that this girl looked at herself, viewed herself, was then the obsession that ran her life because she wasn't able to hear any truth about what she actually looked like, who she actually was. At school, in a completely different way, in a ridiculous way, my perception of my need to be something, to be accepted, became my obsession. Utterly ridiculous because God looks at me and says, I love you and I made you just as you are. But interestingly, the answer when we struggle with these issues of identity isn't just to say to a person or to say to ourselves, uh, you're beautiful the way you are. It's true, but actually there's something that goes far deeper. And it's allowing the person of Jesus, it's allowing the gospel to come so deep within our heart that he can actually free us from ourselves. And perhaps you're asking, well, what do you mean? If I struggle with self-esteem, how do I, why do I need to be freed from myself Uh, You might have come across this little book by Tim Keller. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And he makes the point in this book that when the gospel takes root in your life, it's not that you think less of yourself. I'm rubbish. I'm worthless. But that you think of yourself less. It's the freedom of self-forgetfulness. Because when your heart is so captured by the beauty of another, you become less concerned about your own beauty. Because Jesus is the one who enables you to take your mind off yourself. I think it's true, and this might be hard for some, but I I really do believe this is true. For some people who suffer from very low self-esteem, actually, your problem could be that you have too high a view of yourself. That's very counterintuitive. You probably think, well, what do you mean? I hate myself. What I mean is, if you're um, sometimes like when I go down to the gym, you see some of these teenagers and they spend more time either on their phones or looking in the mirror than actually exercising. Uh, it's probably what I did when I was their age. Okay? Now you can love yourself, but you can be very vain and you can stare in the mirror and say, aren't I wonderful? But equally, you can hate yourself and stare in the mirror and say, aren't I ugly, aren't I hopeless? But you see, though the responses are completely different, actually there's the same root. Your focus is on you either how brilliant you are or how ugly you are but it's all about you and sometimes if you suffer from low self-esteem it's actually because your view of yourself is too high and your view of God is too low as a man called Chesterton in the early 20th century he said how much larger could your life be if you became smaller in it that's the root of the gospel isn't it that truth now let's say that to berate you or to discourage you I actually say that to encourage you and to excite you because change is possible If you give yourself fully to God, when you begin to experience and enjoy his beauty and are captivated by that, it then places our own understanding of human beauty in its context. These verses are wonderful verses about drawing near to God to invest in that relationship. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And I love this psalm, Psalm 27. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I want us to see what the results of seeing how the gospel can speak into our brokenness in this area can have. And here are three things. I want to put these really positively. The first one is freedom. And Nick spoke about it on the video. There is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear. When I really believe that this is true... People can see me with all my imperfections. People can see me with my failures. I don't need to be something because God loves me perfectly and that drives out all the fears that otherwise drive me to be something, to look like something, to perform. It's the love that Jesus Christ has that's the perfect love that cannot be bettered in anything or anyone else. When that takes root so deeply in our heart, that love is perfect and it drives out the fears that actually drive our insecurities. The gospel wants to free us from ourselves, that freedom of self-forgetfulness. Secondly, uh, the gospel wants, uh, understanding this will help us to actually enjoy beauty. Um, I want to put this really positively, but an expression, a right expression of femininity, a right expression of masculinity is a good thing. God has made us man and woman. He's made us different. He's also wired us different. Some people just like to get up in the, in the morning, have a quick shower, run their hands through their hair and get on with the day. That's the way you're wired. I'm one of those guys, by the way. Some people like to spend a long time getting ready and they find that that is something that gives them great pleasure and joy. There's nothing wrong with that. We're all wired differently And beauty. Experiencing beauty, um, appreciating it, appreciating fashion. All these things are good things. They're good gifts from God. But I want you to think about vanity because I've been sort of puzzled by this this week. I don't think vanity ultimately is determined by how big your wardrobe is or how long you spend spent in front of the mirror, necessarily. Vanity is more, what is it that motivates you? Have a think about that. It may be that you really enjoy dressing up or taking time of your appearance. That's a wonderful thing if that's the gift that God has given you and you enjoy it. But if it's an enjoyment thing, it's not a controlling thing. Now, there's plenty of things in life that I can enjoy, but I don't have to have them to feel satisfied. But as soon as something becomes something that controls me, that actually motivates me and drives me to feel I have to look a certain way to fit in, I have to be something so people will accept me, suddenly something that I was going to enjoy has become something that now controls my life. And Only you can answer this question, but when you are thinking about your body image particularly, are you dressing for approval? Are you dressing for affirmation? Or are you dressing because you simply enjoy dressing up and looking nice and it's a great gift from God? There's a huge difference, but it's a very subtle difference in many ways. But God wants us to enjoy beauty. He wants us to celebrate beauty. He wants us to recognise beauty. But the thing that motivates us is to be a reflection of his truer beauty, not to see, simply think that my image is something I portray to others is what defines who I am. So God wants us to, uh, to know true freedom in the gospel. He wants us to experience and enjoy beauty. And he wants us to actually reflect on what is truly beautiful. And in part, that means relativizing physical beauty. You'll know this famous proverb, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Uh, that word there, charm, could equally be translated physical appearance. We all know that physical appearance is deceptive. And that word uh, translated fleeting could literally read puff of dust or puff of air. It's relativizing physical beauty in the sense that character matters more. But it's not saying that physical beauty doesn't matter. But it's worth asking the question, how much time do you spend on your own appearance or trying to be something before other people versus investing in a relationship with God? Because if we spent the same amount of time that we spend on caring for ourselves and investing in an internal relationship with the Father who loves us perfectly that's going to transform our life in a really positive way. But I want us to really grasp that when we understand and grasp the true beauty of God that will enable us in the reflections of our beauty in our lives to reflect His beauty because He is the truly beautiful one. Perhaps you're thinking of these scriptures as we consider beauty. I'll just let, give you a second to read them. If you're listening on the tape, uh, it's 1 Peter chapter 3, 3 to 4, and 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. Do you know sometimes these verses are sort of thrown at people who care about their appearance and they're completely misapplied? These verses where Paul and um, Peter are speaking, they're not verses that say that physical appearance don't matter. But in this particular culture, women were using the physical way that they dressed for a completely different reason. It wasn't to reflect the true beauty of God, but actually it was to draw attention to themselves. And this is why Paul and Timothy here challenged these particular women, because they were spending excessive time, energy, money on their physical appearance, ultimately because they were drawing attention to self. And in a church context, Paul and Peter were saying, no, 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 no. Your life isn't about drawing attention to self. Your life is about drawing attention to him and reflecting his beauty. These verses aren't saying that wearing nice clothes or spending time on our appearance or enjoying makeup or spending time in the gym keeping fit, they're not important. And all that really matters is Godliness. They're not saying that. But what it's saying is that the true thing that we should adorn ourselves with is a character that reflects the beauty of God. And that can be reflected in physical beauty. But it's also reflected in inner beauty, in a godliness, in a contentment, in a a deep understanding that my identity is given to me by God. It's not something I have to create for myself. I want to stop there. There's a lot more that could be said, but I feel it might be helpful just to give us the time to reflect and to ask some questions. But I want to end with this. And it's simply, we find true freedom in a world obsessed with sexual image when we come to Jesus Christ. It's that freedom of self-forgetfulness, not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. And the only way that can happen is when our hearts are captivated by one who's more beautiful than us. One whose attention and time we want to fix our eyes on because we know that he is everything that we're looking for. He is the one who affirms us. He is the one who gives us security. He is the one who says, I created you, you belong to me and I love you. That is where the freedom comes. Freedom of self-forgetfulness because our eyes and our hearts are fixed on Christ instead. I think that's a really important message that our culture needs to hear. Particularly some of our teenagers growing up today. But actually all of us because in different ways each of us struggles with our identity. We struggle with what people think of us. And often that's masked in the physical appearance. I want to stop there but um, give you a chance just to reflect on some of what we've been looking at some of those passages of scripture we've looked at together and uh, in a moment Neil's going to come and uh, just be a chance for you to ask some questions, come back uh, push back if you feel it would be helpful Um, let's try and be honest and vulnerable with each other and just use this time to help each other to think about what true beauty looks like and to think about where we can find true fulfilment thanks Neil